Like many of us, Sarah Oscar found herself going down an interesting internet rabbit hole. People put themselves into the figures of celebrities and so on. They rate themselves how they look based on the deep fake result, uh, which I've <laughs> okay, sure. You know, here I am as Selena Gomez and I'm a 10 out of 10. What do deepfakes say about our perception of identity? A deepfake is the digital replacement of one face with another. You've probably seen plenty of deepfakes without really noticing it. A lot of the aging in films like The Irishman are done with deepfake technology. Even uh, some Snapchat filters are very basic forms of deepfakes. On the flip side, deepfakes can be made to show individuals saying things on camera that they never actually said. And so a lot of attention has been put on deepfakes for their perceived potential to fuel misinformation and cause harm. However, there is another side of deepfakes that seems inane at first glance, but may have a deeper social implication upon further scrutiny. Dr. Sarah Oscar is doing just that. She's a photographer and senior lecturer at UTS's School of Design. What started off as amused browsing of people's posts deepfaking their faces onto celebrities' bodies turned into an investigation into old and new Hollywood values, the evolution of audience engagement, and the nature of identity. The original idea, I guess, came from looking at social media and I was scrolling and finding numerous people putting themselves into Marilyn Monroe in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and numerous people um, deep faking themselves into Audrey Hepburn. And I was like hilariously noticing that there'd be, you know, some bearded guy using Audrey Hepburn's face. And I was thinking about that in terms of how deep fake technology reactivates earlier debates around um, the male gaze, but also like just theories of film and so on, like in spectatorship and the way in which um, the deepfake technology calls to our behaviours as spectators in cinema um, and in television and the culture of streaming services of Netflix and so on and how that's kind of expanded to social media as well by the desire to position yourself as this film star on social media as this sort of way of rethinking your own identity. What you're looking at is something I've never considered before. So let's start with some of the concepts that you brought up. So male gaze and its it, and its association with Hollywood, old Hollywood, and then how it's transformed you know, with these new technologies. So in terms of like the male gaze in cinema, I guess the for me looking back to these early feminist ideas around um, what it means to be a voyeur, what it means for a woman to be looked at, um, and for what it means to pay twenty dollars to go into the cinema in order to um, be a spectator and really watch cinema through a very patriarchal lens based on a Hollywood filmmaker who's a man who looks at the world through this very active male character and to see the female as this supporting character on screen. And so I guess because deepfakes really rely on cinema, what they really illuminate is the way in which all of these tropes of representation, particularly 
of gender and particularly femininity are kind of already constructed. And so in a way it's kind of like thinking about the way collage by repositioning one image in the context of a completely new image allows us to see it for what it is. And so for me the deep fake becomes or has the capacity to become like a form of cultural critique or kind of um, visual analysis in a way by showing things, by basically extracting information from a film and then putting different information into that film so that you can kind of see the structures and the machinations of film at play and particularly filmic representation. So I found like it is a different way of looking at deep fakes from the position of misinformation because it's kind of like, well, so much of the media is about that, their capacity or their threat to truth, their threat to misinformation, you know, the, the way they spread misinformation. And I accept that that's true, but I wonder whether there are other options for thinking about the impact that they have on identity and our way of looking through Hollywood cinema. Yeah, so it sort of changes an audience's role in its participation in media. So it sort of changes from being sort of a little bit more passive into being something a little bit more active. Um, yeah, so it, you're, not, yeah. you're not just watching, you, you can now supplant yourself into a film. Which is something that I guess early film theorists were sort of speculating upon anyway, is that that idea that you go to the cinema and you effectively you identify with one of the characters on screen or you don't identify with them and you get lost in their story and so on. And I see that the deep fake is kind of an extension of that that desire to be or identify with the other person on the screen. And so therefore you're not a voyeur anymore, but you're an active spectator who's playing around with the body of film. When you look at people who've posted deep fakes of themselves and others on social media, it's often they replicate these very glamorous, <laughs> either like glamorous stereotypes of like Hollywood icons or often it's Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know why. <laughs> you mentioned also previously it was that, uh, that sort of masculine, feminine kind of situation and it's sort of almost... It's a, it's, it's a reflection of the current views on gender, which is so fluid. Um, exactly. how, and, and even though at service level it can be, you know, humorous, are this bearded guy has put their face on uh, Marilyn Monroe's body. Um, but then there might be something deeper to that, right? It's really interesting that it arrives at a time when the idea of gender is conceived as really fluid as well. I feel like in some instances it's very, very clearly like patriarchal pastiche. You know, hey, hey, isn't this funny? Here I am dancing on the body of Dua Lipa. Whereas there are all of these other implications. Like it's not just it being a queering but also implications for the way we think about um, race in data sets, racial biases and so on, and who you identify with and who you don't. So when I put myself into, say, Marilyn Monroe or something like that, I'm not rendered the same skin colour as I already am. I kind of absorb her skin colour and so on. I feel like it's what's visible is um, when you see people putting, um, say, Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation 
onto the body of Kate Winslet in the Titanic, for example, um, it's kind of, it's visible. It's a visible kind of, I guess, um, what's the word? Sorry, obviously. (laughs) It's a kind of visible, like, um, contrast between, like, what's happening with the face and the body, whereas if I do it, there's a sort of subtlety there. Do you know what I mean? Like if I'm not familiar with the film, then I'm not aware that necessarily, unless I'm really good at spotting a deep fake, that it's not, say, for example, Kate Winslet in the Titanic, but it's somebody else's face. Does it erase identity or does it enhance it? This is a good question. I think... I don't think it erases identity. I think it offers the possibility for um, thinking about identity as a kind of ever-evolving speculative exercise, you know, in how we think about ourselves as represented publicly and how we how we visualise ourselves in other times as well, like, you know, this desire to put yourself into old films and inhabit those. The idea of hauntology kind of comes into the mix because you're kind of like, Uh, you're driven by nostalgia to see yourself in this figure from, let's just say, 60 years ago. So I think one of the ways of thinking about deepfakes and um, what happens when you put yourself into the figure of another person is that strange sense of um, dissociation and the sort of disjunction between seeing yourself and seeing yourself and experiencing what's happening at the same time. You know, it's like you're, you're having this embodied experience or you're not having an embodied experience. It's really, yeah, it's slightly sort of dissociative. It's very strange. In the same vein, what about body image? I don't know, Cameron. I'm not sure how I feel about body image or the implications that it has because it's sort of um, often the clips are really short because the processing time takes like it's takes like a couple of minutes to process 10 seconds of video footage. I feel like the decisions that users make when they deep fake themselves are already driven by ideals that are generated within visual culture anyway, particularly around body image. And so if I decide to, if I'm going to deep fake myself, you know, as a social media user, there will be a very limited number of people who a social media user would put themselves into anyway because they still adhere to particular ideas of beauty that are set by the visual culture of Hollywood in the first place. Mm. I feel like it shows it for the construction that it is. I guess one of the issues it does raise is like around um, consent. You know, there's a huge difference between if I do it, if I make a deep fake of myself and somebody else makes a deep fake of me, we don't think about how our images of our face live on and are used. Um, But to have yourself be body shamed or um, to be slut shamed, or something like that by being visualised, having sex or something like that, to be put into some kind of pornographic position when you don't consent to it is really violent, right? 
because you haven't chosen or consented to your image being used in that way. So how you see yourself and want to see yourself versus how another person has represented you. So what, what, what would the future hold for this technology? What, what, what could happen? What are the implications? Do we, have to, do we have to be careful? I'm trying to be optimistic about the way the deep fake can be used to show the cultures that we have around and the practices that we have around these particular types of technologies, be it film, photography, and the way in which we've been represented over time. A lot of the literature around or the, the media kind of literature around deepfakes is that um, we should be kind of critical, critically literate. People have always been faking images. They may not have occurred on such a scale, but we could think about deepfakes as reframing how we see photography in film and these types of images, not as being light-based images, but as being generated through code um, and showing us speculative possibilities for an imagined reality rather than, you know, rather than actually being evidence. Maybe I feel like that that's a sort of distinction that, that could be useful. It's all about vigilance, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SCI Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Cameron Furlong. Thanks for listening.